evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of USL. Tonight, we have a lot to go over, people. Uh, we're going to recap the game against Charleston, a 1-1 draw. Uh, we're going to talk about a big Open Cup victory for the senior team. I know that sounds a little out of bounds for us, but there's a, a reason that we're going to be talking about it. Uh, we have an interview with Michael Walker, the proprietor of the Orange and Blue Press, uh, that is an FC Cincinnati dedicated uh, publication. And we're going to preview the game against that very team, FC Cincinnati. This is a Cincinnati heavy show. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh, All about Cincinnati. There he is. That's Mr. Bill Toomey. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing good. Still uh, on a high from last night, I would say, with last night's comeback. Yeah. So I'm doing good. That was the least Metro uh, comeback of all time. It really was. I, I was not expecting that comeback at all. Uh, usually when we see 2-0 on the road, we, you know, just drink more because it's a little bit painful. <laughs> I will say, uh, sitting in Bunny Sports Bar uh, with Mark Fishkin and a number of Red Bulls uh, fans, including uh, uh, friends of the show like Eric Friedlander and so forth, uh, there was a, a strong feeling of dejection uh, around, you know, maybe the 70th minute. Like, this is it. It's over. Here we are again. We're going to be embarrassed by a, a second division team. <laughs> We're yep. going to walk home. We had a <laughs> exactly. chance. We blew it. Uh, and obviously that changed by the end of the night. But before we get into that, um, I just want to let everyone know, uh, Anthony has decided not to be on the show this week after I posted a um, a uh, image of a poster that was um, dedicated to his, uh, what's a feud, I guess, maybe? Um, in honor of him. Yeah, yeah, in honor of uh, his feud over the Harambe chance last season. Uh, Anthony said, that's it. I'm not appearing on the show this week. It's not that I'm at work uh, and in California and can't record the show comfortably. It's because of the sign and he even added raspberries, which in text it looks very funny. It's just pft but you know uh that's that's pretty much what happened that's definitely the truth of what happened well i i hope he recovers from this and uh is able to return soon so yeah all the best anthony all the best anthony (laughs) (laughs) all right let's let's launch into this charleston match uh charleston obviously the team is not doing well um but still having to go to charleston and play against one of the best uh, offenses in the East it should be a daunting task. Red Bull absolutely yeah. dominated this game. They, they really did. They outshot them like no tomorrow. They had. I was just going to say was that. It 22 like or 24 to four, shots? 22 to 4, I believe. Yeah, tw- 22 to 4. So seeing that type of performance in an away game is something you would not expect or even really think of being capable. Well, as, uh, particularly for the team this year, which has really struggled on the road. Uh, and yeah. you know they've they've had some good moments and certainly flashes recently, uh, but it's been an up and down season. And this was a dominant game. It's it's kind of unfortunate that they didn't walk away uh, with all three points here. It really is. I mean, to have twenty two shots on goal, you know, at least they were able to you know tie the game. But it definitely feels you know like they should have walked away with a win. You know, speaking of the, those twenty two shots, that makes me want to see. Uh, the number of shots they've had over the last two games because they've been very, very active in the final third. Uh, 
obviously this week they did not have Vasulovic, but they did have Dili Duka, uh, who was filling in with the team and just kind of settling in with the Red Bulls in general. So this was kind of his first uh, trot out, uh, if you will. And I thought he did uh, admirably in terms of, uh, you know, creating a little bit of, of urgency in the offense and just finding some space and getting those challenges in. And, and, and uh, he passed well. He moved well. It was an encouraging performance. Yeah, you know, it's it's got to feel feel good for him too. And I believe he posted a picture to Twitter or Facebook where he was eating out of his cereal bowl that he got from a Metro <laughs> Stars game yes. way back when. Yes, <laughs> from when he even went to Metro Stars game. So it's got to feel good for him to be back home. Yes, definitely. Uh, I I think I did mention previously on the show that I remember watching him at Rutgers, and he really was. Uh, you know, shoulders above a lot of the players on the field in the games that I watched him play in. Um, and the other debut that I thought uh, did quite well uh, was Fidel Escobar. Um, he looked pretty comfortable back there. I would not put uh, the goal scored on his shoulders. That was just a bad, you know, miscommunication from the team all around. Uh, but, you know, I think these are encouraging signs in terms of the players that are, are being... Um, worked in and uh, hopefully you know they could start finding some some minutes with the the senior team and contributing there as well yeah you know i i definitely think there's some time available considering uh you know we have quite a few games stacked up this week for example you have a game last night you know and then you have another game on uh friday in portland so there's definitely going to be some time upcoming i think even after these games for these guys to get a few minutes in and you know, like I said, as we were talking, I was looking up uh, the shots in the Rochester game. So yeah. in, their, in their last two games, they're averaging 17 and a half shots. That's a very, very good number. I would argue where maybe they're falling short right now is shots on target, uh, which so they're averaging 17 and a half. They're averaging four and a half on target. Uh, so that's, <laughs> yeah. that's where they need to pick that up a little bit. Definitely um, some room for improvement there. Now, on the plus side of things, uh, you've got Stefano Bonomo once again coming through with a, a pretty magical goal in, in the that, second that really half. was. The ball's kind of like drifting across. Uh, he just happened to be in the right place to redirect it. Uh, it was just this pretty little flick into the net, but uh, it obviously made all the difference. It came late against a team that uh, I think was doing well and kind of... Uh, doing their best to, to, even though they were giving up a lot of chances, they weren't giving up quality chances. Uh, and so, you know, Bonomo, once again, doesn't have very many actual shots in this game at all. Uh, he was not one of the players uh, firing relentlessly at the net. <laughs> He's got uh, three <laughs> shots in the, in the match. Two were off target. The only one on target was a goal. And, that's and that exact- goal had some speed to it, too. Oh, I yeah. thought, you know, I was like, wow, that, that actually <laughs> went in. I didn't think it was going to go in, considering how fast it was going. It was a, it was, it was he just happened to be in the right shot, place yeah. at the right time. Yeah. But Perfectly he, lined up. And This is his third goal, right, in three matches. Yeah. yeah well, three starts. He's played four matches. Uh, Bonomo's doing fantastic, and I think the team has looked so much better with him up top. And it's, it's kind of surprising to me... Uh, how much better or more fluid the offense has played with Bonomo uh, 
versus what they look like with Brandon for a lot of the early part of the season. And that's not a knock against Brandon because I think he still does what he does very well. Uh, but they needed someone who could kind of hold the ball up a little bit more and get himself involved in the attack a little bit more to help out the wings. And he's doing those things. He is. He's def- I think they found the right place for him, and uh, I think they'll continue to, to play him up there. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely like what I've seen, and uh, hopefully he can stay uh, healthy and continue to contribute. Um, let's talk about man of the match. Man of the match for me is uh, Stefano Bonomo, just with that crazy shot, because that definitely uh, tied up the game and allowed us to get a point on the road. I think that's a pretty fair assessment of the match. This I, definitely was a crazy shot. So just for that fact alone, he's he's got it from me. Yeah, yeah. No, without a doubt, the Stefano, uh, he was just playing on another level. Um, I find, I, you know me, I kind of want to be different. Uh, yeah, just, you know. <laughs> just because of that. And if you've been um, listening to this podcast, you definitely know that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like I have to give it to Dan Metzger um, because, and we didn't even get to talk about him during the recap at all, uh, but the control in the game was entirely due to how well Metzger uh, was passing. He had 81 passes on the night. 81 by himself. That's a lot. Passing accuracy, 95%. That's that's awesome. What? (laughs) Passing accuracy in the (laughs) opponent's half, 92%. Dan had, I think, his probably his best game, and it is not a coincidence. Who was he playing alongside in the the central midfield there? Yep, Andrew Tenari. Uh, so having someone like Tenari who can be like the little pit bull that I've referred to him as uh, previously, and kind of break up attacks and just look to you know assert his physicality on the match. Look, he, he didn't have anywhere near the, as many passes as Metzger, but he didn't have to. He did a great job of just kind of sticking in and keeping things from from developing. I don't think that, you know, the best quality of Tanari is not uh, necessarily that he's going to get in a tackle uh, or clean up everything that's coming through the middle. He just puts pressure on the opposing team, and it makes them have to act a lot quicker, and they make mistakes from that. And that's exactly the kind of player they need in the Red Bulls midfield. Yeah, he's opening that space and got Metzger there, and he's taking advantage of it. So it's a perfect combination. Yes, indeed. So, uh, Dan and Stefano, congratulations. We will give you a man of the match. Okay, now we can move on to uh, the Open Cup match. And part of the reason I want to talk about this one, one, obviously, you've got uh, this week's opponent, FC Cincinnati, uh, who was having a fantastic Open Cup. Uh, But two... The players who were most involved in this win, uh, a good a good majority of them came from this two team. Uh, Aaron Long, uh, who I thought played very well all night, he had one uh, brain fart where he didn't follow uh, Corbin Bone in at the beginning of the match for the opening goal. Um, Derek Etienne came in and completely changed this match. And, uh, of course, Sean Davis uh, put in a solid shift. Nothing, I think, spectacular from Sean that we're used to. Uh, and Tyler Adams, I, he had a beautiful yeah. cross uh, for, the, for the equalizer. So if, if anyone needed any validation about how the Red Bulls want to run things and why they traded Dax McCarty and 
you know what the team is going to look like going forward. I think we got a, a beautiful uh, a glimpse of that last night of what these young guys can contribute. And Jesse mentioned at one point that they approach the game with sort of a fearless um, attitude. And you saw that last night. They were in a horrible spot, and these guys came in, and they didn't hang their heads. They got to work, and they, they, they got the game back on track. And not to go too far off track, but even last Saturday with you know Sean Davis and that goal that he had, mm-hmm. that was an amazing shot. Yeah, yeah. They are increasingly uh, becoming big parts of this team. Obviously, Mwil, uh is not – I wouldn't refer to him as an RB2 guy because he really didn't play much with the team before he ended up uh, with the first team. He played only a few games, right? Back right. when they were still playing at Ripple Arena, yes. I remember going to. Uh, but still, you know, he's still an academy guy. He's still someone that that's turning in big performances. And, you know, I think people forget how young he is. He's only 21 years old, and he's, you know, almost 40 or f- almost 50 games into his MLS career. Yeah. <laughs> that's unbelievable. <laughs> uh, so... Excellent job from these young guys, and it's a great testament to what RB2 can do for for the senior team. And one of the reasons that I was so fascinated with this team uh, when we first started covering them, uh, because it it's just a, a glimpse into the future. You can see exactly what the team uh, can bring to the senior team with just having minutes available for these guys. You know, uh, maybe about almost, almost 10 years ago. No, it wasn't that long ago now. Uh, maybe it was 2010. <laughs> uh, Sajir, I'm going to say his name wrong. Uh, Hot came to the team, right? He was a homegrown player, never played a minute, uh, right. kind of flushed out of the system. If RB2 was around then, that would not have happened. Uh, Giorgio uh, Chagradzi is another one of those players. Maybe even Juan Agadello, if he had time to play with a USL team. That's very true, yeah. Might have developed a little bit better and still been in the system uh, because he was sitting behind two fantastic players. So I think I think it, the, the proof is in the pudding when it, in terms of results and what these players are doing for the senior team. Yeah, they're they're definitely doing a lot, and it's you know it almost makes you wonder uh, how many more players that the Rebels too will have to pick up over time with <laughs> you know all these people being moved up to the first team. But it's definitely well deserved, you know, and they're getting the playing time that they need, and it's really working out, you know, well that you know we're seeing, you know, there's so many perfect examples of that with Sean Davis and Tyler Adams. I mean, it's really you know awesome to yeah, have that. Yeah, and. Uh, I didn't mention Ryan Mara, and I thought he did a, a pretty great job last night. I yeah. saw some criticism about the second goal, but I don't agree with it. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned Tyler Adams. I didn't even mention that amazing, amazing blocked shot uh, right after Red Bulls had taken the lead. That that kept the Red Bulls ahead, and uh, Cincinnati never got a better chance again. Yeah, we've seen... Uh quite a few awesome blocks over the past few games like that that have really kept the rebels in the game yep yep uh okay moving on uh vincent pezicourt has officially been promoted to the first team 
that is good slash bad news. Great news for Vincent, who is someone who put in fantastic work for Red Bulls 2. Uh, he's leading the OSL in assists. I think he still is. I don't know if that's that's really true. I can find out while we talk about this. Um, but obviously that means he's going to be making the bench uh, more often than not for, for Red Bulls 1. Hopefully it's a situation where he continues to contribute uh, and play a part for Red Bulls 2. But... You know, the writing is on the wall in terms of of how much longer he's going to be with this team. Which is, again, not a bad thing for him, but it is a bit right. rough for, for the team moving forward. Although, uh, we saw uh, Aaron Bas- Arun Basulovic step up and have a fantastic game against the Rhinos. So, there's still, <laughs> there's still plenty of talent coming up uh, through the Red Bulls. Uh, yeah, Bezicourt is tied with um, Chris Wien of uh, Reno for eight assists. Wow. So, so hopefully he'll be able to add to that, but uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. I think that's everything. Oh, no. We got we, one more thing <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> one more. Woo. This is a long first segment. The uh, director of the Academy has finally been named. It is a former Orlando City uh, Academy director named David Longwell. He is Scottish. That's the worst Scottish accent I could possibly come up with. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He also was an academy director at St. Mirren, which was largely regarded as one of the top academies in in all of Scotland. And, uh, yeah, I I mean, this spot has been vacant for a very long time. It's good to finally get someone in there. He has experience uh, in the United States with MLS and that kind of weird structure. And he has uh, European pedigree. I think this is everything that uh, Red Bull fans would want to see out of this position. Um, but we really won't know what he's bringing to the table, I think, for maybe even a couple of years. Uh, it's going to take some time to kind of see uh, the academy develop under him. But I definitely look forward to seeing that. Yeah, I'm curious to see what he's going to bring. And uh, like you said, it's not, definitely not something that's going to you know happen overnight for sure. Yeah. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we've got Michael Walker of uh, Orange and Blue Press. And then uh, we'll preview the game against FC Cincinnati. We'll, we'll do some previewing with Michael, too. Stick around. And we're back. We are joined now by Michael Walker, the proprietor at the Orange and Blue Press. Michael, thank you so much for joining the show. Gents, hello. Pleasure to be here. And uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I guess I don't want to gloat too much. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Because yeah. honestly, it was a very, I think it was, it was a very good game. We don't have anything night. in writing you know, beforehand, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm also, sorry to interrupt. I'm no, no, it's fine. I'm kind of superstitious in that way that I don't like to talk a lot of crap, uh, because I feel like it's always, you know, doubled back on me. Uh, but a very exciting game. I don't think that a lot of, uh, New York Red Bulls fans expected, uh, 
the game to maybe be <laughs> as wild as it was. I think a lot of them at two nothing down were ready uh, to uh, <laughs> <laughs> not so happy. <laughs> take sure. to the interwebs. They weren't happy. <laughs> yeah, take to the interwebs with uh, pitchforks <laughs> and torches. Uh, but you know they they managed to see it through. But uh, nonetheless, a great start from Cincinnati, I thought, and a great turnout uh, to see this match. Yeah, it was. I mean, uh, overall, I mean, obviously the turnout was good. They're you know sellout crowd, sold out, sold out in record time. Uh, you know, everyone was excited about it. Obviously, being a second division club, it's really fun and exciting for us to get a chance to play against the big boys and just see some of these teams that we've watched in MLS for for a long time actually come to town and play against our team. And to be competitive is and and be winning these games has been you know just a huge boost for you know a season that's that's had its ups and downs at the USL level. Uh, USL level. So, Is, was there any uh, maybe consternation from the fans after the game uh, for the changes that were made? Kind of, you know, midway through the second half, that that yeah. seemed to really tilt a little tilt bit. Yeah. You know, so so if we go to like overall reactions, you know, it, it's really a lot of mixed emotions from from everybody, right? Because you know. It's, it was a dramatic match. It was a roller coaster of a match. Um, and, and it was disappointing, right? Obviously, anytime you're up two nothing in a match with 15 minutes left to play and you don't win. I mean, that's that's a huge letdown, no matter what class of opposition you're playing against. Um, but if you uh, put it in, you know, into perspective, uh, this club didn't exist two years ago to play in, you know, a semifinal of a U.S. Open Cup. And almost win in front of a sold out crowd was was a cool experience and, and their overall performance in the tournament was was very good, right? They they kind of punched over their weight. Um, you know, if there's one thing that that some people called out, so I think the overall reaction to to answer your question was positive. Some people did call into question the substitutes a little bit. You have to keep in mind two of those substitutes were made, I think, while we were two nil up. So I mean, it was thinking we're protecting a lead rather than, you know, shortly thereafter it was tied up. Yeah, yeah. I think um, for the most part, uh, what I would hope to see from the fans after the match. Uh, is even if they're you know a little bit disappointed if the result the result to have just gotten there and and performed so well throughout the tournament uh, should be a, a big boost to to the city. Yeah, I, I would say ninety five percent of the reaction um, was very positive, just about the team, the overall performance. You know, we went way further than we expected. It was heartbreaking to get so close and fall short, but it, it's hard not to to take mostly positives from it. Um, and, and we move on. And, and in some ways, I think there's an upside into we, we got to put some, <laughs> pay some attention to our USL, USL season right now because it has been a bit of a distraction and, and there's work to do there. Yeah, I'll kind of j- jump in here. So what were you guys expecting in the Open Cup? Were you looking to go this far or? You know, it, it, you know, I think they just kind of played it as they went. You know, the first match we played against, um, you know, AFC Cleveland you, you know, right. went, he, you know, was very close and, and took extra time to win a GB winner. But we played a completely rotated lineup of, you know, basically people that aren't playing much, you know, as we got further into the competition, you know, and then you're faced up 
uh, against Crew, and and it's hard. Crew SC, it's it's hard not to play a good lineup uh, against them. You know, being well, actually, sorry, I, I skipped Louisville rivalry game. Louisville, we have to play a decent lineup. So, I mean, I think kind of the opposition dictated uh, who who we played. So, you know, gradually as we went and kept winning, Louisville, then Crew SC, then Chicago, we kept you know kind of playing stronger and stronger lineups. Um, I will say they still rotated quite a bit. I mean, Koch, as a coach, uh, we have a pretty deep roster for a USL team, and he he does rotate a lot, and he kind of did it throughout the tournament. So, but getting back to uh, the USL side of things, um, you know, I, I you expressed some concern, and I guess I could I could see that a little bit. One of the things I talked about leading up to this game uh, was Cincinnati's record against the teams at the top of the table in the East. Um, yeah. What seems to be, I guess, maybe the Achilles heel when coming up against uh, quote-unquote stronger competition? We've seen the Red Bulls have uh, strangely opposite struggles this year for the most part. They'll play (laughs) uh, better up against the good teams and very poorly against the bad teams. So what's going on with Cincinnati? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't have the stats in front of me, but I know there's been stats circulated about, you know, our rec- our poor record against the people that were at or teams that were at the top of the table in the Eastern Conference last year and and that's continued into this year seemingly. I mean, the real thing that stuck out to me uh, actually in our performances has been our home versus uh, away form. Um, our home form has been decent or at least mostly positive and our away form has been dismal, which I think is a problem you all have had as well at, at, at Red Bulls too. So, um, you know, the, the, you know, you play better teams. You don't expect to, to do quite as well. I mean, I, I guess the good news for us is we've played a lot of those teams earlier in the season and we're, you know, I think all but one of our games, coming up in the next nine is against teams lower in the table than us. You know, I don't, I don't have a great explanation for, for why though. Uh, one of the big things I think, or the big stories this year has been Jibby fall. Uh, yep. He's been, uh, you know, in the headlines for both good and bad behavior, scoring goals, uh, biting opponents, <laughs> getting red cards at, at maybe inopportune times, obviously yellow card accumulation kept him out of the um, open cup semifinal. Uh, what what is the feeling maybe around the club or within the locker room around uh, fall and kind of what he brings to the table versus maybe some of the detractions uh, that they suffer because of him? You know, I think overall he it's largely positive. Uh, you know, I think from a team perspective or, or at least anything I've picked up, I, I've never really picked up anything negative from the team, you know, particularly directed towards him. He's certainly an aggressive player, a player that plays on the edge. You know, tempers have flared and he's gone over the line certainly before. If anything, I think the fans, uh, media and, you know, I'm, I'm sure probably the the coaches and players that although they haven't said it just want him to be a little bit more careful honestly you know he he has a penchant for picking up you know some cheap cards and, and a lot of the cards he's picked up really haven't been that bad you know there's obviously the Louisville incident with the biting accusations and all that but um, outside of that, it hasn't been that bad. But then once he gets that first card, he doesn't necessarily alter his play. He keeps playing in a, in a really aggressive fashion. And that's where we've seen second yellow cards, reds. And, you know, he's really racked them up. So um, w- would love to see a little bit more judgment used by him, you know, especially when he's playing, playing on a yellow. Now, coming up for this weekend, 
Um, obviously had the very tough game midweek, uh, went to extra time, so there's some tired legs to, to consider. Uh, do you expect uh, maybe a little bit of... Um, what's a what's a good way to describe this? Maybe a little bit of a uh, a uh, rediscovering their form. No, no rotation in the roster. I, I definitely expect, but uh, yep. or maybe you know a little hiccup in terms of of getting back out there and, and picking their heads up. Uh, possibly, yeah. Um, you know, I don't think uh, I think there's a lot of pro- you know I don't think it'll be a. Uh, you know, I don't think they're dejected as a team, right? I mean, the, the way they performed, I think they're proud of. I think that they'll still have confidence. You know, they haven't necessarily performed that well just immediately after, uh, you, you know, U.S. Open Cup games so far. I think the last four games, they've lost one and drawn three. Uh, they won their first one after the U.S. Open Cup games. So they haven't performed that well, so they need to maybe rebound a little better. Uh, as you say, I, I, I think they're expecting a lot of rotation. Um or we're expecting a lot of rotation this weekend. Um, you know, the, the league is on the line right now. You know, they're not that they're, they're close to the playoff cutoff line. You know, one would hope that would be motivation enough for this team to, you know, once they're physically recovered, you know, really get focused on, on getting the best playoff spot possible. And there are a lot of teams vying for those last couple of playoff spots. Um, Obviously, St. Louis is still in striking distance. Pittsburgh is, but they've got a couple of games uh, on both uh, Cincinnati and the Red Bulls at this point. Um, you've got Harrisburg, who are still kind of breathing down the necks somewhat. Um, Orlando City B. Which of these teams do you think are maybe um, most worrying heading into this final stretch in terms of maybe even the Red Bulls playoff survival? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, Orlando's given us a t- ton of trouble uh, so far this season. Um, they've beaten us at Nippert, which uh, not many teams do. Um, so, you know, surprisingly, it, and then we had a hard time with them down there in Florida. Um, you know, we haven't seen all of these teams that much. I think we have matches against all of these teams coming up, right? So, you know, I kind of look at you and Orlando, you know, especially if you can can find your form going into the end of end of this season, plus Orlando. Ottawa's a bit of a – we haven't played Ottawa at all yet, so I haven't seen them. You think they're NS, NASL, even though they were, were uh, struggling there. So you would expect them to be decent – Pittsburgh was, you know, at the top of the table in the first half of the season. So, I mean, there's there's been this clump of teams in the USL Eastern Conference that have been all around kind of middling. And it seems like they all just keep leapfrogging each other. So, the, you know, the teams I called out are probably the ones I'd look for. But um, it's it's, you know. Yeah. There, it's basically who 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 has form in the last third of the season is gonna who's, who ends up you know in the spots. That's exactly right. I forgot about Ottawa. Uh, they obviously announced a change in head coach um, after uh, Paul Daglish stepped down, uh, so they might be going through something. I generally worry about when teams uh, make a change like that uh, that they start <laughs> they could start just picking up right. points because of the change. So yeah, we'll see about yep. that. Uh, let's get a prediction out of you for the, for this weekend, uh, Cincinnati Red Bulls. Wow. It's, it's, we have such an abysmal road record right now. You know, I'm kind of, I, I, I think you mentioned this before the podcast. I sometimes tend to be the glass hem, half empty kind of guy. We haven't, um, you know, we haven't won very often on the road or after a U.S. Open Cup match. So I'd be really surprised 
if we went to Red Bulls and won this weekend. Um, you know, I'm still having flashbacks. I don't know if you guys remember the the VAR uh, checkered game from last <laughs> yep. time. I, I don't know if that made the same kind of headlines <laughs> in New York or New Jersey as it did in Cincinnati. But people were fired up after that game. I mean, it was it was rough. So it's hard for me to predict a win after you know. Hopefully, there's no VAR. Is there? No, it's not. It's not one of those games. No. Well, so. I mean, I no. think it's it's yeah. had certain teams in the league, but I don't think that the Red Bulls have right. Yeah. I don't think we've had any this year at Montclair so far. I don't think no, we've no, had I don't. VAR. I don't think it's set up for it. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's set up there. Free and clear, Michael. Free so, and clear. <laughs> all right. First team, I'm that's, totally, that's a different story. <laughs> right, yeah, it's all over MLS now. So see how that's working out. But um, uh, I'm slightly jaded on, on VR. But, um, you know, I'm going to go for a score draw 2-2. Um, they, you know – I don't see them winning, but this team tends to play well when they're, you know, have something to play for and their backs against the wall. And it's starting to look that way in the league. So I'll go for a, a score draw. I think that's a, a pretty fair result, uh, considering that um, a, a number of players who would otherwise be with the team might be uh, with the Red Bulls one team in Portland. But, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, one more thing before we get to our five questions. We have five very quick questions at the end uh, that we do with all of our guests that come on the show. Um Talk a little bit about uh, maybe the city and, you know, the allure of an MLS bid, uh, what that would possibly mean to the team. Uh, is it something that, uh, if it doesn't happen, might uh, kind of cause some momentum or, you know, attendance drop? Uh, or is it something that the, this is here now, the team is set for at least uh, short term success? Uh, and continued uh, growth. Yeah, I think the latter part is is definitely true. It's certainly set for for short term success and you know continued growth. It's got a great grassroots movement of of pretty hardcore soccer fans that even if it you know the MLS bid you know fell through would still be with the team and I think it'll continue to grow. I mean, there's no doubt. I think with any team in any market, if if a lot of expectations are built around MLS success and you're trying to draw in, you know, fans that aren't necessarily uh, traditional soccer fans. You know, if the MLS bid fails, you'll you're certainly lose some of this attendance glamour that we're going through right now. But but, you know, I think that's OK. Um, the the ownership group is extremely focused on MLS and has, you know, kind of built creating this whole team around MLS. So, it, it, you know, it's certainly a focus of theirs. So it'd be really interesting to see how that plays out um, if if for some reason we don't, in fact, get a bid. Right. There's lots of lots of good cities with good plans mm -hmm. up for a bid and our, our stadium plan isn't sorted out yet. So. Um, I think, you know, it's been huge. The success, the attendance has been huge. Uh, we talk a lot about attendance, maybe even a bit too much. I try to, to, to calm people down sometimes about it because, you know, sometimes I like to focus a bit more on the, uh, the results on the field and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's got a great tra trajectory right now. And, you know, it's all up to, to the, the soccer Don, right? You know, he's got all the cards in his hand. He can pick, pick whatever team he wants, uh, Sunil and he were there last night, which was kind of fun. Um, so, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll find out at least a couple of answers in December, right? Yes, indeed. And if there was a game that uh, anybody should be happy that he was in attendance for, it certainly was the one last night uh, yeah, because that was a, sure. a fantastic atmosphere. Okay, uh, before we let you go, 
Uh, we've been asking five questions. I think it's five. It might be a couple more. <laughs> five <laughs> questions of everyone that's been coming yeah. on. Uh, they are quick fire. They are uh, irrelevant. And uh, yeah, uh, mostly just Let's yes or no or one choice or the other. Okay. Are you ready? You ready? Yep. Okay. Popcorn, yes or no? Oh, yeah. It's, it's like a big thing in Cincinnati. I don't know if you know that. I did not know Pe- that. People eat it for, like, dessert. That, so. that means that I can never travel to Cincinnati. Yeah. Joe, Joe has a very strong hate, or should I say dislike for popcorn. Yes. Aversion, yes. A bad strong dream. Aversion. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That changes a lot about how I feel about you. But, um, <laughs> okay. but I, I can't understand the perspective, like, if you're in an office building and someone makes, like, microwave popcorn, like, everyone shares that smell with you. So, you know, yes. I, I feel you there. That's but. true. I also worked at Blockbuster at one time, so that was oh. that was a nightmare. Uh, but anyway, okay, Arsene Wenger, in or out? Uh, I wish he had left. I am a massive gooner, so um, but you know, so I will say out. I'll stick to my story, but um, you know, it's the beginning of the season, so I'm like all positive about it again. So That's true. I wish he had left, though. I, but uh, we'll, we can talk about that another time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Star Wars we'll, or we'll Star Trek? Start on the Arsenal uh, podcast. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek, definitely Star Wars. I'm not a Trekker. I, I used to say that it would make me sick to my stomach when I would watch Star Trek because I had this girlfriend that liked it in, in college. But um, so that was that was my excuse for not watching it with her. So uh, definitely Star Wars. I was I was all into it when I was little. FIFA or Pro Evo? Uh, definitely FIFA um, just because of, I don't know, marketing and it's you know, giganticness, I guess. Uh, I used to play them all at the beginning. And as I got older, I could play less video games. So I ended up <laughs> playing <laughs> the one with a better them. soundtrack and, and then, like the non weird uh, Arsenal team names, you know, like North London FC or whatever. Yeah. Well, that I, I feel like I know the answer to this last one then, but I'm going to make yeah. you say it anyway. Favorite right. team to play as in FIFA? Uh, definitely Arsenal. Yeah. yeah. Sad, a boring answer, but there you go. Michael Walker is the proprietor at Orange and Blue Press. Michael, uh, where can people uh, find your work? Uh, obviously, orangeandbluepress.com. That's orange, A-N-D, Blue Press. And um, we're on Twitter at, at Orange Blue Press and Facebook, of course. And thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. And when we come back, we're going to finish previewing this weekend's game against FC Cincinnati. Stick around. And we're back with our final segment. We're going to be previewing the game this weekend against FC Cincinnati. Cincinnati, an opponent that everyone is clueless about. No one has any idea. The Red Bulls one did not just play them in the U.S. Open Cup. Um, Hardy har har. <laughs> in USL play, uh, Cincinnati is 8-8-7, eight, eight, and seven, and they are 2-2-1 two, two, and one in their last five games with a negative 2 goal differential in those games they have beaten louisville and lost to louisville they beat harrisburg and lost to rochester and they drew against orlando city b their main guy 32 year old jibby fall he's got 11 goals he's in sixth place in the golden boot race uh, danny koenig uh, who we got to watch uh, quite a bit last night uh, is right behind him with eight goals and then uh, the other midfield players who have done uh, well for them so far this year, Jimmy McLaughlin, Joe Zhu, Andrew Wiedemann. Um, 
right now the Red Bulls are beh- are three points behind FC Cincinnati. A win will put them level on points with Cincinnati for seventh place. It'll give them some breathing room uh, with the teams behind them. Uh, I think they're in a terrific position to get these points. I we you know we talked a little bit about this with Michael Walker. I think we're going to see a little bit of. Um, a hangover, that was the word that I was trying to think of while we were talking to Michael. Uh, a little bit of hangover from the Open Cup. Some guys are going to have to be rested. Obviously, Jimmy Fall is not one of those guys as he did not play. Um, but I think with just the way that uh, the, the Red Bulls 2 have been playing of late, uh, this one is absolutely there for the taking. And um, hopefully we could see them continue to sort of grow and get stronger as the season moves on. Yeah, I definitely think hangover is the right word uh, to use there. It's definitely going to be a rough game coming back to, you know, New Jersey here to play a Montclair after, you know, they just got beat by the first team. So I think that might play in our favor a little bit. Well, some big questions that I have about this game uh, is who will be available for it. Obviously, Red Bulls 1 are playing Portland. They are on a much shorter rest uh, well, maybe not much or one day less of <laughs> rest heading into the Portland match. Um, you would think that that means players like Fidel Escobar and Hassan Nadam, who are first team players and did not have any minutes in the Open Cup, uh, would likely feature in that match. I imagine we probably see Vincent Bezicourt as well. Uh, Derek Etienne, uh, who finished the match, obviously, um, in the Open Cup. Uh, probably Basulovic on the bench, just having uh, having bodies to to take some of the burden off of uh, the regulars uh, who have just put themselves through a very grueling match on turf that went to extra time. Yeah, and uh, I always worry about FC Cincinnati too because they are a really good team. And I, I know, uh, you know, we were saying before that, you know, they've been kind of, I guess you could say almost stuck in a pickle this season, but I wouldn't, you know, put that past them in any way. I would still go in uh, full speed here because you never know what might happen with the Rebels too. But they have been playing really good so far over the past month or so. So I'm hoping, you know, they continue that streak. Well, one thing, and again, Michael mentioned this, one thing that does play into the Red Bulls' favor is that they've been very poor on the road. Um, yeah. But... They did beat some quality opposition on the road, which is something they haven't done much. But if my if my um, theory on them holds true, which is that they play much better against lower competition uh, than higher competition, this is a, a, litmus, a litmus test for the Red Bulls, too. Are they in that group uh, at the top of the table in the East, or are they what the record says they are? Right. What's your assessment, Bill? <laughs> oh man are the are the red bulls better than their their record right now bill i would say the rebels are definitely better than their record right now the way that they've been playing over the past few games i definitely think they've uh you know found where they need to be they're going to turn it around for the rest of the season here and uh they are on a roll right now they, they certainly are now um my, my other question here is Basulovic is coming back. I believe Metzger 
Well, I, I'm not positive that Basilevich is coming back or if he's going to be at the senior team. Let's say he is back with Red Bulls too. Metzger is likely going to be with the first team. Who's going to pair with Andrew Tenari in the midfield? That's a good question. I really would hope it would be Dan Metzger after last game's performance where he had over 90% of his passes completed. Is it uh, a situation where... You've got uh, Kaz coming back, Shigenobu. Which, I mean, that's a fun name to say. It is. <laughs> but For sure. You know, if, if, if they're going to be light on the roster side of things, they couldn't come at a worse time. Like, this is a great opportunity to, to get points against uh, a quality opponent that sits above them in the table. Um, we're heading down the final stretch, and they find themselves kind of shorthanded again. Yeah, and uh, typical Rebel fashion. Hopefully they <laughs> pull it out and they and they can win this game at home. All right, let's get a prediction from you. Because I, I feel like we did a lot of previewing in the, in the previous yeah. segment as well. So my, my prediction for uh, the game this Saturday is 2-1 Rebels. A very respectable score. Uh, I'm a little nervous because they haven't been scoring a lot of goals, but I think that that's that's probably a good result. I think 2-1 is is a good place to aim. I don't think yeah. they'll keep Cincinnati off the board, although uh, I, who knows? <laughs> I mean, I would, I would say I would give them a higher prediction if we had uh, that Brandon Allen effect with the penalty kicks, but since we don't have that anymore, I can't go as high as I, <laughs> as I used to. Brandon Allen and VAR. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, all right. 2-1 to one, I think is, is fair. Um, other results to watch around the league, uh, Orlando City B is taking on Ottawa, and St. Louis FC is taking on the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. All of those teams are in striking distance, uh, just below the Red Bulls on the table. Let's see. i got to pull that back up. Let's, let's look at the standings. It's the standings. Um, oh, Orlando City B won this evening. Uh, against Ottawa, so never mind oh. hoping for a draw there because they have won. They have moved above the Red Bulls into eighth place. Uh, they are currently tied uh, with FC Cincinnati at 31 points. They will play in three days against Charlotte at Charlotte. So, I mean, you got to hope for a Charlotte win there. They also have Louisville directly after that. So hopefully that's two games uh, that we can hope that the better competition wins out. Uh, the Red Bulls now, again, they are in ninth place. They have 28 points. Ottawa is at 27 points and will be coming up against Tampa Bay this weekend. Again, another short rest and, and turn around. This is a really tight race. It, it really is. And then Pittsburgh and St. Louis, who are a point and two points back, respectively. So Pittsburgh's on 27, St. Louis on 26. Red Bulls desperately need to win this, and yeah. they're going into it shorthanded. So, Ooh, hold on to your butts, people. It's going to be a fun finish to this season. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> now we have another uh, piece of this show that we don't often get to do. Uh, I made the call last week for emails, and you have answered. We we got an email. I'm very excited about it. Uh, it is from our good friend Augustine Sasso, 
and he's writing saying, Hello, gentlemen of Raising Bulls. The call for questions and comments went out, and I have a response. What are the hallmarks of a Woolly coach team? Is it discipline? Is it defense first? Does it depend on the players he has? I don't think I've heard an at-length discussion of his coaching style. I would think he might be a top coaching candidate if Jesse Marsh leaves the first team after winning the Open Cup, Supporter Shield, and MLS Cup this year. Tongue firmly in cheek. Your thoughts? Keep up the great work. I love the player interviews. Augustine Sasso. Augustine, my man. Uh, Yes, it would be fantastic if they won the the treble this year. I'm not sure that's going to be the case. Uh, That would be awesome. Yes, it would be great, though. Um, a, a hallmark of a Wally coach team. That's, it, it's a little bit tough to say because I think a lot of what uh, John Wallenek brings to the table is on the development side. So what you want to see from, from him and from the team is not necessarily a particular style from game to game that is going to be very different from the Red Bulls 1 what you want to see from them is player improvement throughout the season. So again, I, I don't think that it's necessarily a style or a, a function that, that he brings to the, the team and what the team looks like on the field, but is constantly trying to get the most out of uh, his players from, from match to match and looking at, at the trends of that. If you were to ask me this question last year, I absolutely said it was a, a never say die attitude. These guys just would stay at a game. They would never let their head drop. They would constantly look uh, to, to pile on as many goals as they could uh, as sort of an offensive forward approach. Um, but this year has been a little bit different. I think this year and to some degree 2015 are really more of what we are going to expect from this team, which is going to be sort of an up and down season. Uh, players coming in and out, managing how not only they are going to play from game to game, uh, but from practice to practice. I, I think one of the things that maybe people don't always realize is the B team doesn't always have a full squad to even practice with because some of those guys are with the Red Bulls one. You know the the best of Red Bulls two practiced for most of the week with Red Bulls one guys like um, Vincent Bezicourt and Florian Velo, uh, obviously Derek, Aaron, um, Dan. The, these are all guys Hassan that are with Red Bulls one for the majority of the week, and maybe a day or two before the match they get to go back down to the B team and practice with the B team, <laughs> and that is really difficult to set up teams so when you think about that and think about uh, the juggling that that john wallenick has to do i mean you really got to applaud him um but again getting back to what the hallmarks of his coaching style are it's really just about player improvement anything to add bill no joe you pretty much hit the nail on the head with that yeah i think so um augustine also was asking us about the uh freddie adu uh, questions we were talking about last week. Yes, he was with a Polish club. The Polish club said, uh, no, <laughs> we're not doing this. The manager of that club. <laughs> the other uh, thing that we were talking about was not uh, that he was with an, a Europa League team. That was um, Anatole Abang, who is with FC Astra. Yes, that the has great been announced. Mystery. Uh, 
Um, I did not follow up on their Europa exploits. We can do that now. Do 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 do. The magic of the internet. Okay, let's see. Oh uh, no, I have to go to actual Europa League. Um, but Anatolia Bong is there. He's there through next summer, I believe. Is that true? Yeah, I think that's. I'm true. not sure. I I think think he did a one year. All right. Yeah, I think I think it's it's through the summer. Um, but he's going to be there. Hopefully, he catches on with this team. Um, Will he ever return to Red Bull? That is the question. I, I really don't think so. I don't think so either. But we'll see. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Do 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 do. Astra lost to FC Alexandria, so they are out. Alexandria, I believe, is a Ukrainian side. Let's see. Yep. Ukrainian Premier League. They finished fifth last season. So Astra is out of Europa League. So I guess no more um, a bong in Europa League if that was ever going to be a thing. I'm not even sure he got to play in the game. I can find that out as well. Do, 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 do. Uh, no, that didn't help me at all. Did you ever know that you're my hero? Gosh, there's so many results to flip through for the for the Europa League. Good gravy. All right, let's see. Let's see. Well, at least we're learning that you're a pretty good singer, Joe. I mean, this is uh, well, quality I did, material. I did put out an EP, Mr. Bill. That's true. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm, that was me at my finest. It doesn't get better than that. Uh, Astra. No, he didn't even make the bench for the game. Oh, well. Poor Anatole. But hopefully he gets some time there. Hopefully you know, he catches on. I, I feel real bad for, for him and the way that his situation has developed. Uh, but thank you very much, Augustine, for writing in. We really do appreciate it. And... You could write in too. I should probably get some seeing red style gifts uh, to send out. Augustine, I don't have anything for you yet, but um, maybe I'll I'll start working on something. Uh, but if you want to have your email read, or if you want to criticize uh, Anthony or or myself or Bill, uh, please feel free <laughs> to send those <laughs> criticism slash questions to questions slash hate mail. Yeah, slash hate mail to qu- <laughs> questions at raisingbulls dot com. That brings us to the end of another episode. I'd like to thank Michael Walker for coming on. You can follow us at underscore Joe Goldstein. And I'm at Bill T. NJ. And uh, everyone's favorite troll, Anthony Merced, can be followed at Attitude AJM. And that is all, of course, Twitter. You can follow the show, and we really do sincerely hope you do, at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast. And of course, like I said, that's on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash RaisingBulls. You can go to our website, RaisingBulls.com. And you can listen to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We are everywhere. Uh, But please find us there. Subscribe, rate, review. It really does mean everything to us. We love doing the show for you. And uh, it would just go a little bit extra for us uh, if you're so inclined. We would very much appreciate it. 
We will be back next week uh, with another exciting episode. But for tonight, uh, for Michael Walker of Blue... Oh, I said blue first, but I think it's orange and blue. Yes, orange and blue press. Uh, Bill Toomey and myself. <laughs> I'll even give it to Anthony Merced. Good night. Again, the fast clapping. Slow that clap down. What is going on?